For full transcripts, translations, content notes, and resources from this episode, follow along with us on our show notes at queensmemory.org. This is the Queen's Memory Podcast, a selection of personal histories from the borough of Queens in New York City. This podcast comes to you from the Queen's Memory Project, based in Jamaica, Queens, at the Queen's Central Library. I'm Natalie Milbrook, Director of Queen's Memory, where we record and preserve contemporary history across the borough. We grow our archives by collecting oral histories, photos, and mementos shared with us by community members. Local volunteers who train with Queen's Memory staff facilitate and record our oral history interviews. We feature oral histories from our archives so we can reflect on and engage with the histories we listen to and tell one another. How do we carry each other's stories? What shapes our personal and family histories? How did we get to the neighborhoods where we live? And where are we in relation to each other's histories? As part of New York City, Queens has long been a point of entry to the United States. Thinking about the borough in this way, we searched through our archives to gather stories of migration for this first season of the Queen's Memory Podcast. These stories cross continents and move through decades of the past century. We share these oral histories to reflect on the histories of this borough, of this country, and of ourselves. to say is that I do want to thank my parents for having made the decision to come here. I used to dream about going back. Those dreams, they change. My blessing has been as leaving this world. Now I can gather some people, whatever little thing I can do. It would just be for a brief moment. I would look at life there and say, I'm missing out on that life. I'm trying to make sense of the last 11 and a half, 12 years. What can I take from it for the next phase of my life? In the 10th and final episode of this Queen's Memory podcast season on migration, we turn to the topic of terminals, where we've arrived and where our stories go from there. We've listened to oral histories from our archives, reflecting on the relationships we have to our own and to each other's histories. In our oral history workshops, we suggest volunteer interviewers end their interviews with reflective questions like, is there anything else you'd like to share? We ask these questions to build mutual trust and responsibility when we record our oral histories, and to encourage those being interviewed to tell their stories how they want, from beginning to end. This episode is a collection of those stories. We'll hear from Frank Fortino, Alfredo Cornejo, Solange Baptiste, Tara Medatherty, Edgar Tinoco, Tony O'Reilly, and Luna Ranjit. While we listen, we ask, Where have we been? Where are we now? And where are we headed? Let's listen. I thank you for your participation. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, um, is there any other things you would like to share? Well, I want to say is that I do want to thank my parents for having made the decision to come here. 
it was the best decision they could have ever made. I would have never had the life I have here that I have in this country. Um, I would not have had, I wouldn't have the job that I have. I wouldn't, I just, all around, I would not have gone to college. Uh, you know, I speak four languages, which I would have never done that over there. Um, yeah, it was, I just, I think that they made the best decision in the world to immigrate, although probably for them it was the hardest thing in the world to do, but I know they did it for us and I'm thankful. So to to close up, um, perhaps to ask you, um, how do you think being an immigrant has defined or shaped the person you are? Um, how has it, or did it change your life being an immigrant? Do you think that it has played into the person you become today? Well, absolutely. It has to change. It has to change your personality. I mean, you're yanked out of one country where everything is familiar, where you've known all your life. Now you're thrown into something else. Yes, it, it shapes you uh, differently um, than Americans, than the Italians who, who stayed there. Yeah, you're a different, you're like a, a bridge between two cultures. You understand both. Um, um, of course, I, I can't actually place put it in words, but yeah, most definitely it has maybe different than say if I was born here, um, than a person who, or if I had stayed there, I would I would be to a totally different person. I would have different ways, different ways of speaking, uh, different mannerism. Um, yeah, it definitely has has molded me into a different person. Yes. In your opinion, though, what is the American dream, in your opinion? Because a bunch of people have a different opinion on the yes. American dream itself. Yes. To me, the American dream is the chance that I had, that I will that I will never have, no place else but here. That's, that's the, you know, my, my dream come true when, you know, when they give me the share, you know. I didn't want nothing for free. I wanted, you know, to, to learn. I wanted to, to work, you know, and I had it here. And if I did something good, I was promoted. And many times, you know, in other countries, they don't promote you because, you know, they... Yeah. Uh, You're an average Joe or something. Yes, that's it. Yes, correct. Yeah. Here, I had many opportunities that I know I would never have someplace else. So most of your working experience came from here, not, not Peru. No. Here, I, here, everything I learned here. Yes, everything, hundred uh, percent. Yes, that's why I consider this this country so great because I got I got a, I learned so much that I will never nobody will give me a chance. I think you know, mm. in my home country. I love my country, and I I used to go two three times a month, two three times a year, to visit my parents, my sisters, my brother. And, uh, and I always dream about, you know, going back. Eventually, I got married, and those dreams, they change. Uh, <laughs> do you enjoy living here in America? Yes. You do? I enjoy living here. I see how my children, you know, are uh, getting better and better. My older son, you know, the first one with my second wife, Oh, he got a presidential scholarship after being in the top and around all high school. And, uh, and really, uh, I saved a little bit of money, you know, to pay for his school, but was not need, needed because with the, with the scholarship he got, everything was paid for. Oh, he, wow. be, he became a, a biologist, 
and he's looking to study further yet. My parents worked very hard. And I, when I came to this country, they said there's no place to raise children because people are thief. They, I was worrying to get married, to have kids. But I have two great kids. So that means you choose in life whatever you want, the way you want to live. And we love other people, so we always have to share with others, no matter if there's a word I can say to someone or the hand I can lead to let people know life can be beautiful. I'll be doing that. I come from, I used to go to work. Wake up in, in the morning. I get home 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I have low seniority because people used to, to work for 40 years there. And for me, it started, and I have to work up in the morning, take my children to school because they never had a babysitter. Because we didn't want them to, what they say about children, society, who had boys. We want to pass the family values, the Asian tradition to them. So take them to school in the morning, go home, cook, prepare everything, <laughs> and go back to work. Because in Haiti, if you can pay for it, you can have someone make your bed. You don't do anything. But the beauty is here to come to this country and find out I can do all the stuff. I can clean my house. I can do my laundry. I don't have to someone to press my clothes. I have one of my cousins. She was she went travel to Canada. She was a teacher, and she found out she had to make a bed. She found a good job. She said, no, I'm not going to make my bed in the morning. I'm back to Haiti. Then <laughs> she went back to Haiti because she never learned how to make a bed. <laughs> it was such a blessing for me. And I take my kids to school, go to work. And one day I can do all those stuff and still be happy. I won't say proud, but I am feeling uh, really happy that uh, I'm a self-made uh, woman right uh, today because um, whatever the acquaintance, um, we made it. Uh, I really worked hard for that. Wherever I have to put my voice, if I have to put an idea, they will surely sit and listen to me because they think, okay, this lady can speak something or she talks sense. So, to f But initially, when you have to go, stand for an election, talk to them, get the votes, it is hard. Wherever I go, I just want to be holding some particular authority there. Otherwise, there is no point doing something. I want to be, an, uh, uh, what, what to say, a president or uh, um, whatever, whatever post you have. I would like to do that. So, But it was not easy. Though I got uh, elected, this is the third term I am being the member. Now I know I have accomplished something. I, I like that exposure. I like that exposure where you can talk, you can talk something sensible, and you are one of the uh, effective member to put something in place. May it be the school plan, or may it to be a security policy in the school, or whatever little we can do. Because um, 
you have the idea but you need the time and the place uh, to go out and tell what you want to do uh, for that i think um, uh, we need to uh, because many people that's what i see many people who have come from other countries they have so much talent in them they have so much power in them but they don't have a opportunity to put it many parents uh, they are uh, well educated but they don't have a place to go and and uh, opinion opinion like or give their opinion uh, so that is that will always boost up the confidence and that will always uh, boost up the courage to live here uh, so that is one thing i think uh, which really is a uh, release something from them uh, from us and also it's a great thing uh, you are a part of, then you feel okay you are a part of this uh, community uh, then you f- uh, kind of like us so yeah i, I think that uh, this is uh, that frame where i started liking this place uh, i st- uh, now i can uh, gather some people clean up the area or uh, whatever little thing i can do human being is a part of the society we are social animals so only when you get into the main systems in the society uh, you feel that you are a part of society unless and until you have a voice in the society you will never be a part of the society that then you will be always alienated so these all this um, different form of uh, authority gives me a voice in society so now i would say uh, i do uh, so many voluntary thing and i am uh, so happy doing so many things so now also once my daughter goes into kindergarten i have a little more broader plan as to what to do uh, to, to get a, a good uh, uh, what to say uh, to involve with the society and do nice things what did you miss most about ireland when you were here um well i probably you know growing up there i probably envisioned living my whole life there so then i would go back and i would see you know other young men my age and they would be having a they would be you know moving on with their lives getting married having children i had done the same mm. but they had careers and what not and uh i kind of felt like i was missing out on that life because i had just i had just put my irish life on hold emigrated right just for i didn't even when i was emigrating i was an immigrant forever i was emigrating just to see the world see what was going oh. on you know? so it was a different mindset it was a different mind i was totally i didn't have to go i just felt like i wanted to go i wanted to see some some new sights in the world new sights and mm-hmm. and see about different lifestyles different lifestyles but i but i didn't realize at the time that i was saying goodbye to a whole a whole life and you know as many years after that i went back and i would feel that i'm maybe missing out on something there you know and um you know i would uh, i'd be a little bit sad for I'm, that a little bit sure because that that part that part of me never grew it never i didn't grow any further there it didn't like you know, develop into it developed correct what you might have thought you would do that's right mm-hmm. did you ever consider going back to stay never never no no once i got married and started my uh, life here i really had no you know those those little um um you know ideas that i had when i would it would just be for a brief moment mm-hmm. i would look at life there and say i'm missing out on 
that life. But do you still feel a little sentimentality for not having no. done that? Not no, I, I love, I, I feel like I'm American, mm -hmm. even though I have a, an Irish accent. I feel American. I feel, uh, um, you know, there's only one flag hanging on my house, and that's the American flag. And that's for years. That's not a decision that I made. It just happened. These things happen. If you said to me when I got here, oh, you're going to have to be American now, I would, you, I would resist. You would resist that. And so it was just, it was something that came in time, and then you, all of a sudden you feel like you're part of mm -hmm. this world now, especially right. when I became a citizen, which wasn't very long after I got here. You know, maybe six or seven years, yeah. I became a citizen. Once you raise that flag and pledge allegiance, you know, that's... That's, that's it. Total that's a right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Your um, your reflections on um, your your emotions over those earlier years is very interesting, mm -hmm. and I don't think we've encountered that before in other interviews. Yeah, not too much. You know. Yeah. I mean, do you think part of it was because you had married an American? No. No. Well, you mean as far as uh, that trans that e evolution into yeah, well, feeling American. Yeah, I remember feeling in the beginning, you know, if I marry her, I'll probably never be able to live in Ireland again. And she would, you know, today she would live there faster than me. Mm. You know, I realized that later. But you know, that's that's the old Irish. You know, you're hanging on to your roots. Yes, we do. And I'm that. saying if I. If I marry this American, then I don't have that option anymore because she had a career by then, and uh, so it was something to think something about. Something to think about, something yeah. to consider, and yeah. you've considered it seriously. Not not very seriously, but it was a thought. It was there. It was you know? there. So all in all, you're glad you came to America. Yeah, yeah, very very glad. I mean, I, well, I, you know, like I said, it it it. Uh, takes you over. America takes you over after a while, you know. And what about your relationship to the homeland? Um, well, officially, um, I have become a U.S. citizen now. It kind of took me a long time, um, 20 years since I came to get, get there. Yeah, it's as I speak about uh, immigration issues, I became, um, I guess, a guinea pig myself of going through the immigration system and seeing the challenges. And I'm actually I'm among the more fortunate ones. I kind of, I had the resources, I had the contacts that I was able to do it, even if it took 20 years. But I know a lot of people are not, and don't have that luxury either. Um, but I was I was never a very patriotic person. I don't believe very strongly in nation states, and so which people found it very confusing because I am working with uh, or I was have I have been mostly working within a community group that's like loosely defined as coming from one particular country. I worked with the Nepali-speaking community, but this is a community where I had connections and where I spoke the language and I had resources to make a difference. 
I guess my relationship to homeland as a nation state is complicated because I mean that it is uh, socially I am Nepali uh, culturally I am Nepali I I still have all my extended family there and so I have strong connections to Kathmandu at least uh, to the city it's difficult to say that like you know okay, I, I, it's not that I want nothing to do with Nepal but I also sometimes don't want to have anything to do with the state of Nepal. So, depends on the day you ask. <laughs> so, what's next? Um, explore what next. I think right now it's um, I'm just in this very happy space where I don't have any major obligations in in trying to make sense of the last 11, half, 11 and a half, 12 years of my life, what it really meant, and, and figure out what can I take from it, what can I take from it for the next phase of my life, really, to see um, uh, what is it that I really want to do and what excites me, and also trying to figure out where can I have the most value added, I think. Those are the two things. Uh, but in the interim, I want to read a lot, maybe write a little bit, and create time to think about some of the questions that I've been thinking about. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Thank you for listening with us on the Queen's Memory Podcast. Visit our show notes blog at queensmemory.org. There you'll find full transcripts and written translations of this episode, and more to listen to from our archives. We've also added reading recommendations from Queen's Public Library's collections, as well as resources from local community organizations. And if you want your stories to join those you heard today and become part of our archives, head to queensmemory.org forward slash participate or to our show notes to find out more. I'd like to thank our producer, Adrian Lara, and our composer, Elias Raven. A warm thank you to Ro Garrido for providing fundamental collaboration and support, and to Richard Lee and Molly Schwartz for offering their guidance and wisdom. Thanks also to the Queen's Public Library and the Institute of Museum and Library Services for hosting and funding this podcast. Finally, thank you to all the interviewees, interviewers, interns, and volunteers for collecting and sharing the stories that make this podcast possible. Whether you're listening for the first time or you've stayed with us throughout the season, thank you. If you're listening with others and want to reflect together, here's a guiding question. What's a story you would want to tell about how you got to where you are now? Let's keep listening.